0: It's January 25th, 2024. Today, the sun rises in Colombia at 7.26 a.m. and sets at 5.47 p.m., giving us 10 hours and 21 minutes of daylight. That's 17 minutes of light more than when our last episode aired. These small minutes appearing at the day's beginning and end are adding up. Looking at the change in light, we see that incremental change is not only possible, It's inevitable. On we go, heading for the spring equinox when daylight and darkness now so unequal will once again balance. But for now, we are in winter. I'm Claire Houle, a writer and instructional designer at the Center for Teaching Excellence at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. Join me as we once again branch out following the roots and filaments of teaching and connection here at the college. What is the place we allow for failure in higher education? How could we better understand and engage with failure in our work with students and in our professional lives? This is Instructional Ecology. Today is our final standalone failure story of the season. As you know, we added the story series to this particular season because we found that a number of faculty and staff are quietly telling students their own stories of failure. These stories offer students great solidarity and perspective that they're not alone in their struggles, that setbacks and failure are a part of all lives, especially lives that appear hugely successful, and that they too can reach out for the support they need and have the agency to make choices that will help them find the best path forward. By making failure visible in lives that are also full of success, we begin to fracture unhelpful myths about uncontested success as people learn and grow in their educational lives. And today, we're going straight to the top of our college, to our current college president, Dr. Ronald Rames. Many students feel our faculty must be infallible in order to do the incredible work they do, so we know that hearing a professor's previous failure can have a huge and encouraging impact. So a failure story from the leader of the entire college must have great meaning for students and also for faculty and staff. We talked in episode one this season about the myth that successful people have career arcs that go in straight lines with few challenges or changes, setbacks, or disappointments. Let's keep busting that myth and keeping ourselves in the real world and not an ideal projection. Today, we'll hear the story of a college freshman here at MTC who's taking the required English writing course as many of our students do, as many of us have done in one place or another. And when he received his first marked essay back, the grade was absolutely not what he expected or hoped for. In today's story, we'll hear about how the young Dr. Rames was at a decision point right at the start of his college career. We'll hear him narrate his choices and the choices of those teaching him. Dr. Rames announced this past fall that he will be retiring in the summer of 2024. So we're speaking again to someone looking back at an almost complete career. What a vantage point to have such a rich history to consider and make meaning of through reflection. He'll tell us how he's come to see the place of failure in a lifetime of work And personal exploration. Let me also tell you Dr. Rames is the only guest I've ever had to ask me for a second pre interview before recording our conversation because he wanted to think carefully about our project and to choose a story from his long career that he felt would speak best to our student body about whom he cares so deeply. To want to get it right, to take the time to think things through to think about one's audience and choose what point of connection one feels would have the greatest impact and use for that audience. To me, these are the beautiful arts of care and connection. In our conversation, you'll hear Dr. Rame's quiet trust in our community as he tells his story with no fear about its reception. To have integrated mistakes and failures so much into the narrative of a life that they are no longer a source of harm, but only meaning is a beautiful thing and something I hope personally to achieve, and also that our students and community might reach as we move further into our lives and careers. Here we are, our last standalone failure story, recorded as Dr. Rames moves through his last year as president of MTC.
1: I am Ron Raines, president of Midlands Technical College. I came to MTC as a student back in 1976, graduated in 1978, uh, went on and got my other degrees and that kind of thing. Came back to the college and on April Fool's Day, 1990, uh, served as the college's chief financial officer until about eight years ago when I became president of MTC. When I came to uh, Midlands Technical College as a student uh, many, many years ago, having to take uh, certain courses, uh, one that would prepare me, I think, as a student and for for a career, I had to take a writing class. And uh, being a new student and what we would call a non-traditional student because it didn't come to uh, college right out of high school. I was out of high school for three years. Before joining and deciding to come to college. And, um, and so I had to take this writing class. And this writing class uh, was this a general writing class that um, uh, all students, I think, at that time was required to take. And uh, one of my first assignments that the instructor uh, gave us was to write this essay. And I believe it was a one page essay that we had to write. And uh, I don't remember the subject of the essay, but uh, I do remember writing the essay essay and giving it to the instructor. But when I received the uh, paperback, the paper was all mocked up and uh, had a conversation with the instructor about it. And uh, essentially, she told me at that time that... um, she had concerns about my writing ability and uh, essentially said that you you're not a college level student, and um, that caused me really really some concern. I walked away uh, personally hurting, um, thinking that perhaps she was correct, and uh, I then I spent some time looking at the the paper. Again, uh, while I was looking at the paper, I still was. Uh, feeling really sad and thinking that uh, at this moment before I really get into my college career that I wasn't going to make it because of what she had said. And so reading the paper, I realized that um, she was correct. Uh, Perhaps the way she did it could have been done differently, but the reality of it is she was correct in my uh, failure to use good writing techniques. I had learned the basics while I was in high school, but I really didn't understand the need to apply those things. I think perhaps I was in a hurry, uh, like uh, students, uh, and I certainly was a student at that time. Would do wait to the last moment to to do this. And um, my my initial response was to, well, I'm going to quit this class and maybe quit college. And I decided not to do that. I decided to come back to class, and um, and doing the next assignment that the instructor um, provided us. I decided that I was going to take a different approach. First, I decided that I was going to uh, not wait until the last moment to address this this uh, this assignment that the instructor provided us, and um, and so as I recall. I had the 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 assignment was to write on a current event, and that current event at the time was about nuclear weapons and those kind of things. and And I had read that article of, of interest because it concerned me that a weapon was being created that would kill people but leave the buildings intact, you know. And so that that concerned me, and it and it sticks with me, and still con- I'm still concerned with that kind of thing today. You know, I, I do know that weapons and those kind of things are un- unfortunately necessary, uh, and but it, it concerned me. So I decided to write about that, that article that I had read. And so uh, I think because of my concern about the subject, perhaps made me pay more attention to what I was writing. And because of that, I think that I was able to think and write clearly my feelings and my concepts and ideas about the article I had read also made me pay uh, pay close attention to uh, fundamental grammar that you need to um, when you're writing. And so because of that, um, the instructor gave me a passing grade. I don't recall it was an A or B, but it was not a failing grade. I know that. And I felt encouraged because because of that. I could have easily uh, given up. In fact, I came really close to uh giving up uh doing that process. I could have said to her, "You know, you're wrong and argued with her." but after getting over my hurt feelings, I was you know able to step back and saw what I did wrong and uh and hopefully by deciding not to quit and getting another opportunity to do this, then um it made a big difference. My lesson is that. Uh, it is very serious, you know, being able to communicate in writing is critically important. And so because of that lesson, I'm not sure if this was her intention that I learned from that experience, it made a huge difference uh, in my life. And so um, uh, by the end of the course, uh, the instructor came to me and talked to me and and essentially admitted that her approach was wrong and what she said was wrong And, and actually made me feel much better. And I think it really helped me with the rest of my academic career.
0: So, in this season, we've been asking people all over the college, you know, established professionals to tell a story, to be willing to say, you know, it hasn't always been smooth sailing for me. I have failed things. I have had a change of course. And here you are, the president of the college, able to tell us that you were once an MTC student. And you also have sat in that seat and you have received that paper back that said, no good. <laughs> not This is not quite what we need. Uh, and you chose to tell it publicly, which is the whole point of this. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you hope a listening student or a listening faculty member or staff member might draw from your story today.
1: So let me start perhaps with the student perspective, and which is perhaps the most important. First, 1st don't give up. Uh, one great won't define the course in most cases. It certainly won't define your academic career and it's not gonna define your professional and personal life. And so message that I would ask students to take away from this is don't give up. Go and talk to that instructor. Step back and and decide what it is that I could have done better. (laughs) So I would say, again, just don't give up. Remember that there are always uh, opportunities to correct your mistakes. If I had to give it up, who knows, I perhaps would not be sitting here in, in this chair today as president of Midlands Technical College. But um, uh, giving up is certainly, is gonna lead to failure. And so you don't want to give up. Uh, for faculty and staff, I, I say that it is vitally important that you understand how to treat a student And so sometimes it's not what you want to say, it's how you say it. Choose your words carefully. Understand that students come from a different place and their experiences in life and what's happening with them could make a big difference in how you approach them in terms of their success. Students still have to do the work, I understand that. But at the same time, you know, your approach as a faculty member or staff member and how you approach that students can make a world of a difference in whether they're successful and whether they continue or not. And so just be careful in how you approach and handle students.
0: I think that's such an important part of your story um, to have a very harsh assessment from one writing sample. Like you say, it isn't really a productive way to begin with a student. your story does end with the professor being willing at the end to apologize and say that that was that maybe the paper wasn't good but that but you were good.
1: So yeah the the paper wasn't good Uh, and so I I admit that after going back and looking at it uh, and the instructor perhaps at the time could have handled it differently. Uh, There's no doubt about it thinking about it uh, retroactively Uh, And a lot of things could have been done differently on both sides uh, of this thing. But the reality of it is I did take a lesson from it. And the lesson was, is that um, the education, what people are trying to convey to me is critically important. And what I provide to my instructors, um, I took a lot more seriously. Uh, Serious, going, you know. After that, there's, there's no doubt about it. I was a much better student, if you will, um, after that experience, and uh, and so because of that negative experience, I think I was able to turn it into something positive.
0: I feel like you're definitely the person to give the advice to not give up because as you and I talk about failure, whenever that is. I always hear you carrying yourself forward. You always have a forward momentum. You're able to say, oh, that didn't go well. Uh, But then you persist. Uh, And that's something that I think, I I, I mean, you you just said that directly to students, you know, to to persist, uh, to faculty and staff to persist in trying to say things the best way possible. So I wonder, as you... Um, consider your career because I'm aware that you are talking about retiring next year. So this is a, a great moment to look back and consider things. How have you come to see failure in relationship to success? What is What does that mean to you now from this vantage point in your life?
1: Yeah, so failure is a natural part of living. I mean, I don't, I'm not aware of anyone who have gone through life, that uh, have not had a failure. So it's a natural part of of living. And I think uh, by understanding that, or coming to understand that, um, it it helps you with this persistence thing. Uh, There's probably very few things that people can't recover from, if you really are persistent. And if you really uh, have the desire and the passion to get to where you want to get to, if you really won't let these kinds of obstacles, sometimes they are natural obstacles. there are sometimes things that are that are created by others that you have to deal with. <laughs> and you just got to realize is that you got to deal with them no matter no matter what. And so by being persistent and understanding that that will get you there, it may not be tomorrow, it may not even be next week or next year, you will get there. And the other thing about this whole thing of failure, I think that even if it you never get it to where you want to get to where you want to get to, there are other ways of doing things, other ways that you can really get past that failure at that moment and still be successful at whatever you're trying to do. you could be success, successful as a student. You can be successful in a career. You can be successful in a life uh, because because you you decided that, that failure is in your past, and you're not going to con- concentrate it on, on it anymore.
0: You know what that reminds me of is I know that uh, as a young man, you loved art and you were intensely creative and you were certain that you were going to be an artist. But you know, as you found your path in life, you didn't end up making your life around art. But you've said to me, I have found other ways of being creative. Can you talk a little bit about how one dream is still a part of your life, even if it's not the main thing for you?
1: Yeah, so art, and from early on in my life, I realized that I had some talent, or at least I thought I had some talent, and people around me told me that I had talent, and including, you know, teachers in high school and, and those kind of things. And so I spent a great deal of my time, extracurricular activities in the art rooms, doing, you know, drawing and painting and sculptures and those kind of things. And, and just anything that I could read about art, I would read it. And so, yeah, art was very important to me, and I just again thought I was going to be an artist. Uh, but then life happens, you know. I found myself three years out of high school trying to decide what's what's going to be next, working for McDonald's and and that kind of thing. And then um, someone at McDonald's made a decision to make me a what they called a swing manager at that time, and that caused me to develop an interest in business. And what I've learned uh, over my career, uh, in business, creativity is essential. Now there are a lot of sense. There are a lot of things that are that are, are exact, and that you have to do. For instance, in accounting, your debits and credits got to balance, and I understand that. But management decisions are, are rarely structured, or formatted, or a formula exists. And so sometimes you have to make decisions that are creative that's going to impact yourself and more importantly, going to impact others. And so sometimes you have to have to do that. And I, and I learned that that the creativity on the artistic side can be creative on the side of, you know, doing business and I would suggest in life as well.
0: You remind me that uh The parts of ourselves that um, we may not use as much never truly leave us. We're still always ourselves, even if we're not doing what we thought
1: we might. That's right. Um, You know, even though I don't paint and draw like I used to, and maybe one day I will. I don't know, because I'm retiring. Who knows? (laughs) But the other thing is that it don't mean that I can't enjoy art. You know, so I go to museums. I go to art showings. And I think I even mentioned to you, I I go to the State Fair, mainly to go to see the art exhibit, you know? I traveled recently just to Philadelphia, just to spend a long weekend going to all the great museums they have. I traveled to Europe this summer. And one of the things I wanted to see was the 16th chapel and see the Mona Lisa. And so you can still enjoy the art. And, And in my case, I still have a passion for doing that.
0: When I talk to you about it, you have such a a lovely, um, hopeful and generative outlook on things. You don't seem to feel the loss of anything. You simply add it to your life as opposed to losing things. And I think that that is um, quite a good goal for a life well-lived, especially if you're young, to think, okay, well, it is true. I might lose things and not do things, but I can still hold on to them in certain ways.
1: Loss and failure, again, is just part of part of living. You know, if you're going to live, you're going to have losses and and you're going to have failures. Um, but you have to do the moaning or you know whatever, however you cope with these kind of things. But you also got to remember that going forward is critically important. It's important to you as an individual in terms of your life and your career and your success, but equally it's important to the people who you lives you touch. And so if you got a family, you know, sisters and brothers or children of your own, um, if you are part of a group or a team you're going to touch these people's lives, and so, despite the difficulty that you may be going through at a moment, and I realize some moments takes more time to get over than others, you still have to eventually uh, be a part of those people's lives, and continue to uh, impact them. And so, for me, that's been always my my belief is that I still gotta I still gotta go on. And uh, and so when those kinds of things happen, I'm able to really uh, put it behind me eventually and, and really uh, start focusing on what's going to happen the next moment, tomorrow and down the road.
0: You're such a forward looking person. And I wonder what you are hoping for the college in the future. Uh, I know this place means a lot to you. What what are you hoping for us as we try to have these new conversations together?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question because I do have a lot of hope for this college, and uh, I first of all I know it will continue to be a super super part of this community. Uh, it will continue to uh, educate uh, folk. It will continue to be affordable and accessible. But one of my greatest hope is that more and more people will look at MTC as a first choice for education. Uh, I was saying about you can get anywhere from here is absolutely true. You can get anywhere from here. And um, so my hope is that uh, more and more people will receive that message, that uh, we that obviously my life was impacted um, uh, as a student here and there are many stories out there and, and one of the one of the great pleasures of being a president at MTC uh you get invited to go and speak to folks uh groups and uh audiences across the the region and across the state and even across the country and you get to tell those stories about success stories about our graduates and i know that there are many many more that we can impact and so that is probably the greatest thing that I would have um, for our uh, hope for our for this college that more people take advantage of what we have to offer. It's an incredibly great faculty and staff that we have and the difference that they make with our students is just really remarkable. I also hope that um, that we really continue to focus on one of our primary missions, that is the workforce development part. Uh, You know, this community is stronger when we have a strong business community. And businesses are made stronger by having great employees. And so one of the things that we do very well is producing uh, graduates for the business community. And really, all of us benefit when that happens.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to say to our little instructional community to the faculty and staff and students and your fellow leadership?
1: I would say that um one of one of my um great pleasures as a president or moving into the president role from being a chief financial officer one of the great pleasures that I learned is that the students are are real. And so I had an opportunity to as president to spend a great deal more time with students and listening to them and hearing, hearing their, their hopes and feeling and sensing the optimism that they have uh, because of what's happening to them when they come to, our, come to us, what's happening to them when they go into a classroom with a faculty member, or they are or have to go and see a staff member about whatever. And and um, I would say that um, because of the faculty and the staff that we have, we are doing the right thing for our students. And I'm very, very appreciative of that. There's one thing that's absolutely the truth is that if I had any success at this college uh, in life, I would say it's in part significantly in part because of the great faculty and staff that we have. Don't mean that we're perfect and that we always do the right thing. Um, and we make mistakes, uh, those kinds of things. But overall, overwhelmingly, we are a great institution because of the faculty and staff that we have here and because they do care about our students. And I'm grateful for that.
0: Dr. Reims, it's been a joy to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, It's been my pleasure. And um, I wish you much success. And I hope that this is very helpful to our uh, students, our faculty, and our staff. Thank you very much.
0: Dr. Rame's resilience and willingness to respond to feedback in the face of failure, I think, demonstrates great failure practice. He considered his goals, resisted a very misguided judgment on his ability to complete college, and used the skills he knew he needed in order to try again and succeed. Dr. Rames joins Hameen Shabazz, Will Galston, and Alina Martinez-Vidal as a failure practitioner, someone who has experienced failure and engaged with it directly. He's integrated the lessons of that failure into his life and turned it to serve his striving for success. This series of failure stories was designed to make more visible the stories being told in our community of the lives of our people. We've talked a good bit about the secrecy that academia often imposes on failure as scholars attempt to perform perfection and unassailability. We don't have to participate in that secrecy. As we teach the community, we can be with them, not over them. We can tell our stories to use our own mistakes and struggles and successes into beacons to light the path just a little further for our students and for each other. Would you like to begin to tell a failure story of your own to students, to your community? Maybe you're already doing it. It's easy to begin. Just tell it. But if you'd like some support and structure, the CTE has made some for you. On the webpage for Dr. Rame's episode, you'll find materials to support the telling of a failure story in a deliberate and contextual way. You'll see the questions that I used when creating the failure story episodes so that you can think through your story and greatly increase its impact on your students and their learning goals. Spontaneous storytelling is a beautiful and powerful thing, but to take the time to choose a story, to plan its telling, to provide crucial context and the lessons it's brought to you, well, that is art, and that is great planning for student learning. These four failure story episodes are part of a season, but they're also designed to be used individually. Could you use any of these four stories in your classes? If you want to start talking about failure differently, how could you add Dr. Rame's story to a lesson on facing failure, on recovery, on reattempt, on proving the haters wrong? You can link students to these failure stories and talk about them in class. The podcast has always been meant as a teaching tool. Maybe you already see a way you can use it in student learning. Also, if you'd like the CTE to help you produce your story as a video or as an audio file like our podcast, please contact me. I would be happy to help you create something that you can use over and over in your in-person or online formats. I know so vividly how busy faculty are with their teaching loads. I'd love to get you a little further down the road by doing some of the groundwork for you in a failure story project. Telling a story may seem a small act in the face of the massive amount of content that faculty teach, but what is life and connection other than a series of small acts over and over that are the filaments of life-giving connection? Like roots or veins, like nerves or mycelia, like cables or bridges, stories, and the trust they require to tell and receive are the materials of the webs of connection we know students need to succeed, and the connection that faculty and staff need to feel they belong in a workplace, that their lives are well spent as they earn their living. Tell your stories. Tell them to your students and your coworkers. Tell them to me. Let me help you tell them. And by telling our stories, let's create the culture of trust, of honesty, and ethical response that we would all like to live and work in. Small acts. Honor what you're already doing and add in what you'd like to see in our community. It's always an honor to be a witness to your lives and work here at the college. Join us next time when we begin a pair of episodes about grief and loss in higher education. In our next episode, we'll add up a few things we've heard over the season about the expression of the emotion of failure from that particular lens. We'll hear a bit more from Professor T.J. Kimmel about his experience with failure in higher education and Counselor Central Laguette will be back to talk to us about how we as an instructional community might begin to think about and better respond to student grief over failure. Join us next time as the light slowly returns to our part of the world, further into the brand new year and deeper into the web of our community.